Hey everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, January 8th. I'm feeling better. I'm not completely recovered <laughs> from my sickness. You can probably still hear it in my voice, but I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little better, and I'm looking forward to chatting about YNR with you guys today. So, in case I haven't made it completely 100% clear, I am <laughs> repulsed and annoyed completely by Victor and Sharon's engagement. The whole thing is so absurd to me, and I find it shocking and not in a good way. I find it shocking in an irritating way, and pretty much everyone else in the Newman family, at least, is having the exact same reaction. N Nikki, of course, is ready to scratch Sharon's eyes out. Victoria is like, ew, ew. <laughs> and I think <coughs> Nick has got to be the most annoyed of all. And uh, Nick, Nick has really been grating on my nerves within the last couple of weeks, ever since Sharon has been released from jail. He's been using Faith as a way to manipulate Sharon or to control Sharon or to force her to do what it is that he wants her to do. And as soon as he found out about this ridiculous engagement, he runs right over to Sharon's house, rips Faith out of bed. The kid is sleeping in bed. It's, it's late at night. Nick rips the child out of bed away from Sharon and basically tells her, you're not going to see this kid. You're not going to see your child anymore. I have full custody, and if you're going to continue to make life choices that I don't like, even though she filed for that restraining order against Adam, which she didn't even want to do, she did it completely at the behest of Nick. Doesn't matter. Nick has decided that now all of that is completely revoked, and he is going to take Faith away from her. And I was... Uh, I was very uh, disappointed with Nick for that type of, for having that type of reaction, for refusing to communicate with Sharon or maybe check in with her to see what the deal is, what's the real story here. Everybody in the whole family just blows up. He doesn't really even choose to ask more questions. I mean, they all know in the bottom of their hearts that Victor didn't kill Diane, so he shouldn't be sitting in jail in, first play, in the first place. And Nikki knows darn well that he's doing it because he, that Victor's in jail because he loves her. So the fact that no one would sit down and talk with Sharon or Victor in a rational way and try to get some answers, try to understand what's the motivation behind all of this is also um, really a, a shortcoming, I think, for everyone else in the family. But doesn't matter if Victor's sitting behind bars or if he's sitting behind his desk at Newman Enterprises, he still has power. He's still able to wield the shore, the sword of, of Newman power throughout Genoa City. And Victor writes this letter to the fa a family court judge and convinces him to see, uh, to, to, to actually to, to take a look at the custody arrangement for Faith. Victor goes against his own son yet again. Where it comes to his daughter's well-being, where it comes to Faith, where Victor really shouldn't be sticking his nose in at all. 
Well, I mean, I guess he has some rights, but, I mean, come on. So Victor gets the judge to see this court case, and in the matter of, like, a couple of hours, both Sharon and Nick have their butts hauled into court to have this whole um, custody arrangement reviewed, and uh, much to the shock of, I think, everyone, of of Nick and Sharon, the judge decided to <gasps> instate joint custody. <gasps> Can you believe it? I'm almost, I almost, I almost can't believe it. A child in Genoa City has custody f- with both parents. Both parents share custody. Oh, it's so, it's, it's so outrageous. <laughs> But, um, again, very, very shocking. One thing, <clears throat> just uh, on a side note to say, it, the argument process was very interesting. Michael is representing Sharon, and Avery is representing Nick. It was just a, a, a strange little ironic moment where Avery had been spending months and months and months trying to get Sharon out of jail, arguing that she was this victim and and trying to get everyone to see her as a really great mother. And now, a month later, after having dated Nick for a few weeks, Avery is arguing on the opposite side, trying to tell the judge that Sharon is an unstable person. So it was just, that was just a really interesting little courtroom dynamic that I noticed. But all in all, Sharon got her, uh, got her joint custody back and to boot the judge ordered that Sharon is able to have full custody of Faith while Nick and his lawyer Michael um draw up the uh the arrangement papers like to decide on when everybody's going to get to see the kid and what the arrangement exactly is going to be so Nick really had a very big slap in the face um and uh, part of me thinks he kind of deserved it. You know, I hate to say that, but he kind of deserved it. And meanwhile, Victor's still sitting in jail, knowing that all of this is going down. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, wow, Victor accomplished this feat. He was able to do this thing for Sharon. He was able to help her get custody of her of her child back, and that made her very happy. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, um, maybe Victor should be using those favors, um, calling in those favors to get himself out of jail. Uh, you know, the person who's probably the most upset about the Victor and Sharon engagement, even more upset than me, has to be Adam. Oh, Adam. I had a dream, total side note, but I totally had a sex dream about Adam this week. I had a sex dream about Adam and Ronan this week. (laughs) I shouldn't admit that, but... I did. I've been dreaming about YNR all week, which is really weird, but I really found um, the Ronin dream was funny because... <laughs> 
because I found myself in this situation where I had to choose between Ronan and like some other guy. Um, and I decided in my dream that I was going to give it a twist. Like it was so clear that I wanted Ronan, but in my dream I decided to give it a twist and um, I decided to pick neither one of them. I'm such a soap opera viewer. Like my brain operates as a soap opera viewer. I decided to shock myself in my dream. But the Adam one, the Adam dream I had, oh, I don't, it was early in the week and I don't remember the specific details, but it was very satisfying. Um, it was very sexy and very satisfying. <laughs> and I enjoyed it very much. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> I think it's probably all stemming from the fact that I feel really bad for him right now because at the beginning of the week, Adam gets all drunk. He has spent hours and hours at Jimmy's, like, slugging back shots, and he's just feeling really down on himself, just feeling really bad, because he and Sharon had that, like, one last night together where they said goodbye, and, um, but also professed their love together, and so Adam's feeling like the only obstacle to him being with Sharon is Nick. And this arrangement, uh, you know, with Faith. So Adam's, like, feeling that he, he wants to find some way to work it out with Sharon. So he goes to her house, even though she has this restraining order on him. And even though he promised he was going to stay away from her for her daughter's sake. <coughs> he still goes to Sharon's house. And he's all slurring his words and I have to say that Michael Mooney did such a good job because just he the way he he was playing it like Adam looks like he had marbles in his mouth like or like his lips felt big or something like he just played it so well like he really got into the whole drunk thing I don't think we've ever seen Adam drunk like that before but it really came off really well I just thought Michael Mooney was brilliant in those scenes um but he goes to Sharon, and he's telling her, he's pouring his heart out. He's telling her that he wants to find a way to work it out, that there's there's got to be some way. If they're both intelligent people, and if they just sit down and try to figure out a way that they can be together, they can have it all. And almost just in the middle of him pouring out his heart, he just takes a look at her hand and sees the giant <laughs> rock that's sitting on her finger um, that uh, he is very, very shocked to see. And of course, at first, he thinks that the ring is Nick's. He thinks that Nick has somehow suckered Sharon into marriage in order to let her continue to see her daughter. And Sharon's just looking at Adam, just feeling horrible, I'm sure, because she still loves him. And just uh, realizing what this is all doing to him, just looks at him and she has to tell him that it's, it's Victor's ring. And Adam, oh... He's just crushed. That was, it was very, it was very hard. He really didn't even have some kind of big blow-up reaction the way everybody else in the family did. Adam just saw the ring, heard that it was Victor's, processed it, processed it very shortly, and just walked right past Sharon, grabbed his coat, and walked out the door. It was, like, just totally opposite reaction from everybody else and I mean in, in that way that's how I knew that it hurt him more than anybody else and it was just so so sad um the next day 
He was at the athletic club uh, having another drink, a very early morning drink, when Nikki walks up to him at the bar. And Nikki and Adam have had a couple little exchanges this week that I thought have been entertaining. I mean, here Adam is sitting there drinking, where you know, and Nikki's sort of poking at him. She's like, hey, you know, a little hair of the dog, huh? You know, kind of, kind of giving him a little bit of crap for drinking so early in the morning. And Adam's like, hey look who's talking, and they kind of, you know, Nikki's like, ah, touche, and they sort of just share this little moment, and they both realize that they're kind of in the same boat. I mean, Victor and Sharon's engagement really affects Adam and Nikki more than anybody else. They're the ones that the other, that, that you know, Victor and Sharon truly love. Victor truly loves Nikki, and Sharon truly loves Adam, and so it was just interesting to see Nikki and Adam together. I mean, I, like, in, in my mind, I'm, like, dreaming up these scenarios where, hey, maybe Nikki and Adam should get engaged. Nikki and Adam! <laughs> Wouldn't that really throw Victor and Sharon for a loop? Like, that would be entertaining to me. That would <coughs> that would help redeem this oh, ugh, horrible Victor-Sharon thing. Uh, that would help redeem it, just if all of a sudden, you know, Nikki and Adam just decided to parade their own little engagement in, in front of them. Um, in front of them. I thought that was, was funny. But, um, you know, Nikki, I think, seems to be taking it a heck of a lot better than Adam, because Adam is just really falling apart. He still clearly cares about Sharon. After her court case, he, well, actually, Adam learned from Victor about the whole court case. Adam goes to Victor, and they have this little exchange between, you know, it's like there's a, a plate of glass between them, but you could still, like, feel the rays of rage and anger, like, shooting into each other's body, like, Adam versus Victor, and Victor's telling him, you know, you're, you've lost. She didn't pick you, son. She picked me. And now she's gonna get custody of Faith, and she's gonna come back to me, and guess what? You're never gonna have her, and now I have her. And Adam doesn't believe it. He doesn't want to believe it. He feels confident in his connection with Sharon, and he decides to go to the courtroom um, where Sharon's just won her case, and he wants to know. He wants to know the results of the case, and she tells him that she won, and he's very happy for her. But in Adam's mind, and honestly in my mind too, he thought that, you know, since Sharon has shared custody of Faith now, Nick has nothing else to hold over her. There's nothing else he can say about who she wants to see in her life. So Adam assumes, hey, we can get this stupid restraining order taken care of, and then we can go and live happily ever after. Perfect. And honestly, that's what I was thinking too. But Sharon took some advice that Michael offered to her and, you know, realizing that it's not just about the win today. She has to really watch her step or risk having Faith taken away from her again. And so she realizes that she has to continue to stay away from Adam. His um, in his his presence in her life makes her look bad to the judge and to everybody else. So, especially because he's, you know, he's a cloud of suspicion. Adam's never been convicted of anything. <laughs> Yet... Yeah, that's not, that bugs me. He's never been convicted of anything, yet he's just this social pariah, and she decides that she can't, she can't associate with him. And Adam lets his little ego take over, and he says, you know what? I'm going to prove to you that you still love me. He picks up his cell phone, calls the police, and says, hey, I'm in the courtroom right now with Sharon Newman. She has a restraining order against me, and I'm in violation of it. Come get me. And now Adam is thinking... 
that Sharon, that this is going to be Sharon's chance to prove to him that she still loves him and that she's not serious about the restraining order. But <sighs> Sharon realizes that she loves her daughter more, that she cares about securing the, you know, the home life for her daughter more than this relationship with Adam. So oh, the police walk into the courtroom, say to Sharon, ma'am, is it true you have a restraining order against him? And she's like, yeah. And the police are like, would you like to press charges? And she just turns around and says, yes, I want to press charges, and walks away as the police arrest Adam. Oh, his face. Like, as the police are um, handcuffing him, he's looking at her, and she's looking at him, and it's just this moment, you know, she's thinking, like, saying, I'm sorry in her mind, but, you know, because she didn't want to do it, but, oh, my goodness. And he, like, I, he made this comment, um, when he was drunk earlier in the week about something like, you know, without you, I fall apart. I just, I'm, I, I break up into pieces and I just fall apart. And that's exactly the look that I saw on his face in that moment that, you know, he is closing up again. He allowed himself to open up to her for just a little bit. We had a brief window of Adam, you know, getting in touch with his love for Sharon again. And just the second that the cuffs got slam slammed onto him and he got put behind bars, you could just see all of that going away again and him just closing up and breaking up into little pieces and turning back into that cold, cold businessman because that's the only world that he feels comfortable in. That's the only world that he can control. The thing about Victor and Sharon is we're not supposed to like this as viewers. There's no way... <laughs> that anyone, that YNR is expecting us to just be like, oh, Victor and Sharon, it's about time. Great. We're not supposed to like this. We're supposed to be questioning it. We're supposed to be going, wow. <laughs> I mean, clearly, there's been no buildup. We've seen no kind of any romantic spark between these two. We've seen nothing but friendship. Um, and, and so that's what makes me think that, it's going to be very short-lived. Oh, I hope <laughs> that it's very short-lived. Um, I, I And not to mention the fact that they specifically have been showing us scenes where Victor is loving Nikki. What was it on um, Christmas, the Christmas episode, where Nikki had her It's a Wonderful Life kind of themed thing. You know, she goes through, she sees Victor sitting in the jail cell. He's staring at a picture of her in the new it's in the newspaper. I mean, we've seen him having on New Year's, we saw him having memories of him and Nikki being together. So, I mean, we know that Sharon loves Adam. We got to experience that this week. We've been seeing how much Victor thinks about Nikki. So we know that Victor loves Nikki. So we're we're not supposed to want this relationship, and I don't. We certainly don't. I mean, it's very difficult to watch. Um, <coughs> it's very difficult to watch Nikki and Victor wanting to be together, Adam and Sharon wanting to be together, and they just can't. Um, you know. Nikki walked in, of course, last week, at the end of last week, saw Victor had saw that Victor had proposed to Sharon, and she was just like, whoa, really? 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 
her reaction and very close to my reaction. But sort of I'm thinking, you know, Nikki, I guess she can't really be too upset because she married Deacon for similar kind of weird-ass reasons. And frankly, Nikki has not been as quick about filing a divorce as I think she should be. I mean, even after she exposed him for the lies, exposed the whole blackmail in the Victoria situation, why is Nikki still married to Deacon? Exactly. This is, uh, help me clarify. Why is Nikki still even married to Deacon? I mean, she's clearly trying to get information out of him, but I, I don't know. I still would have filed those darn divorce papers. She's still pretending to be drunk, I think, trying to lull him into a false sense of security so that she can get information out of him. But mm, I would dump his ass so quick. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm sorry. And, you know, coupled with the fact that Victor keeps pushing Nikki away with one hand while pulling her close with the other. I mean, you can tell that it's not all one thing. He doesn't just want her to go away. I mean, it's sort of a a mixed emotion. You can see that he's giving her mixed signals. Uh, The thing, though, that was really, really hard this week was as Nikki's standing there viewing, witnessing Victor and Sharon's little engagement, um, Victor says to Nikki, oh, this hurt so bad. Oh, he said to her something like, well, why wouldn't I want to marry Sharon? She's young and vibrant and beautiful. Mm. And it was just such a, you know, it was just like he was kind of shoving it in Nikki's face. Like, well, Sharon's young and vibrant and beautiful. And what are you? You're old and you're drunk. <laughs> it was so Oh, so bad. I Like, I just, I could feel her pain in that moment. Just not only seeing what Victor was doing. I mean, he has got to be a frustrating man to be with. But just hearing those words, I think, was very hard for her. Sharon, young, vibrant, and beautiful. And now with her man, her life mate. It was just like... There's some salt for that wound. Let me just rub that in right there. It was, it was very, very hard. Um, now, I think I, I think it's time to just open up the floor and see whatever. What does everybody think about this? Okay, so if we we know that Victor and Sharon are not gonna be some super soap couple <laughs> that everybody's rooting for. I've heard very few people say that they're even able to tolerate this relationship. So the real question that I want to open up to the floor is, what is Victor's motive in proposing to Sharon? I mean, he's proposed to her, and he did this whole, he facilitated this whole custody situation in order to lull Sharon into a sense of security. Like, oh, well, Victor is able to give me things, to make my life better, to keep faith in my life. So clearly, I must be wanting, I I, I must be needing to marry him. And (coughs) at the very end of Friday's show, after winning the court battle, Sharon goes into Victor's cell, and says, yes, yes, I will marry you. And 
I, I want to understand how this fits into Victor's plan. What is the grand plan here? What do you guys think? Leave me a comment and let me know. Wh how, what, what is Victor planning? What exactly is it? Um, and I'm, I'm going to just wager my own little guess here. <sighs> the only thing that I can think, I think that Victor marrying Sharon is about Adam. I think that it's part of, I think Victor letting Adam take control at Newman and Victor marrying Sharon is all part of Victor's plan to bring Adam down. And the thing that I was thinking is that if Sharon is married to Victor, I wonder if next week or maybe the following week, I'm wondering if Victor is going to be pushing her to get in on the Newman board to be a proxy for him, to maybe start to, um, you know, facilitate some of the things that he wants done in the company. Like, maybe Victor can name her proxy for his board seat, and then it forces Sharon <coughs> into the fold at Newman Enterprises to go ahead and um, maybe cause Sharon and Adam to have to go head-to-head on some issues, and therefore further fracturing their relationship. I mean, I think Victor wants to destroy everything that Adam has. I think Victor wants to destroy Adam's business credibility. I think <coughs> Victor wants to destroy um, his Adam's relationship with Sharon, and so I think that he would go to extreme lengths, clearly, to do that. My only remaining question is here, like, can't Sharon see... That she's being manipulated? Well, now you didn't think that all of this stuff was going to go down with Sharon and Sharon's life without Phyllis being right there to comment on it, did ya? Or more appropriately, to comment on it for the world to hear. <laughs> Leave it to Phyllis to go ahead and hear about everything that's going on with Sharon and Victor's engagement and to publish a Restless Style cover story on it. And not only that, <laughs> uh, the cover art for the Restless Style magazine this month was brilliant. <laughs> like, stupid and brilliant. It was... Sharon's head superimposed on a baby's body. <laughs> and the baby's just like sitting there with its hands outreached and, and the the text right above it is gimme gimme. <laughs> just showing Sharon as this whiny baby going gimme gimme. I mean Really, they should just change the name of it to Sharon's Restless Style. I mean, like, or, or Phyllis's Vendetta Mag. Um, Billy hired her back, of course, um, this week just so that she could do this cover story because really and truly, who else could have produced such a scathing editorial on anything in Sharon's life besides Phyllis? Um, I think the only other person who might be capable of such sneakiness, um, such just total reckless disregard for anyone in, in their family uh, for the sake of a scoop would be Ricky. Oh, he's such a weirdo. I had a, I actually, I did have a weird moment this week where 
I was looking at Ricky. I saw him when he was at the bar at New Year's with Eden trying to pick her up. And then I saw him at uh, Restless Style begging for a job. You know, I mean, Phyllis uh, promised him that he was going to get a job during that whole time um, when uh, she stole his, when Phyllis stole his pictures and uh, she helped him hack into the Restless Style website so that he could publish uh, the article. And um, he was, you know, now he's coming back for his favor. He, he wants a job at Restless Style. I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking at him and I am thinking, like, he... He really repulses me. Like, his head is so big. His face is gigantic. Ricky's face is huge. His head and face is huge. And um, I just, I find him repulsive. Although, but I did have, like, one little moment. Only because, like, I remember and want to learn from my mistakes. Like, when Michael Mooney came onto the show, for instance, I, I thought he was disgusting. I was like, ew, this guy's not even attractive. I'm, I should just go back and find the clips of me bashing Michael Mooney, like, two years ago, or however long it was. Now, flash forward to today, and I'm, like, having sex dreams about him. So, I just, I'm asking myself, I'm looking at Ricky, and I'm going, like, you know, is he repulsive, or is he hot? You know, like, I, I, and I had a one little moment of, like, well... Maybe, maybe, I mean, like, maybe if his per because it, it really is, it all boils down to personality for me, like, Adam's a bad boy, and he's got, but he's got this, like, squishy center, he's like a Tootsie Pop, like, he's got the, he's got the chewy Tootsie Roll center with the hard outer shell, and just something about him makes me want to lick <laughs> to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop. And so it's, I just keep asking myself, like, is it possible that I'm going to feel the same way about Ricky? But no, I don't know. It's, right now I still have to stand that his face is huge and he creeps me out. I mean, he's, he's hanging, he quit his job working with Avery, telling her that he had a paying gig now, and he wasn't even going to work with her at all. She needed him, and he was like, no, no, thanks. Um, but And he did all of that before he even had a job lined up. So he's real cocky. He's real sure of himself. Um, and I don't know. We'll just see. Maybe if he's got, like, a, a really great personality, I'll start to feel differently about him in the future. They seem to just be easing him in. Uh, YNR seems to be easing him into the, the storyline. We're not seeing a lot of him, um, but I'm sure that we'll get to see more and more of it as um, the storyline progresses. But speaking of Avery, um, after the whole New Year's incident where they're at Glowworm, Nick and Avery are sucking face, Ronan and Phyllis are sucking face over in the other corner, and Nick and Phyllis are still kind of just looking at each other, you know, I mean, it's, it became clear, I think, to both Ronan and Avery that Nick and Phyllis are sort of using them, you know, that they still are into each other, and that this is just kind of a rebound situation. Now, for Ronan, I'm surprised, I, Obviously, that part of the storyline um, you know, is driven by the fact that Jeff Branson is leaving the show, but Ronan realizes that Phyllis is still in love with Nick, and he doesn't want to be involved. I mean, it's so funny, because everything started out as so sexual between Ronan and Phyllis, and somewhere in the process, I think that Ronan started to actually care about her, and realizing that she's still into Nick, I think he realized that he just needed to step back. He just needed to get out of that situation. Um, he has to focus on Diane's freaking murder anyway, and I'm starting to try to let go. I am. I'm trying to let go of Ronan. I don't want to, but 
but I just know that he's going to be leaving the show and it's going to be hard for me. And, um, so I just, I don't want to be too, too attached. So, um, so Ronan and Phyllis splitsville and in the same, um, in, in the pretty much the same moment, Avery started realizing it with Nick too, that Nick was still in love with Phyllis. Although like, I didn't feel that way. I kind of felt like it was obvious that Phyllis was using Ronan or that Phyllis was trying to get back at Nick, but I thought that, I don't know, I kind of felt like Nick actually genuinely did like Avery. And we hadn't seen a whole lot of Nick and Avery um, recently, but I kind of felt like they actually did make kind of a good couple. So, I mean, because Avery's just this interesting cross between Sharon and Phyllis. She's not quite Phyllis, she's not quite Sharon, she's somewhere in the middle. And I just thought that she was a, a pretty good match for Nick. But now... Avery's not, you know, broke it off with Nick. Ronan's broke it off with Phyllis, and uh, Nick and Phil, uh, Nick and Phyllis are back to get back, kind of together. I mean, Nick showed up at Phyllis's house on like New Year's Eve in the middle of the night, and they just got it on. I mean, it, the thing is, the thing is about Nick and Phyllis, they've always been attracted to each other. Sex has never been a problem for them. They've always been able to kiss and make up but uh, it's sort of the same situation as it is with Billy and Victoria like I feel like Nick and Phyllis don't really talk about what their problems are and things may be all well and good for Nick and Phyllis while Nick's pissed off at Sharon but I just wonder what happens as soon as you know Nick starts to fall for Sharon again I mean like <laughs> it's just ultimately I think Nick is always going to love Sharon the most I think that the fact that she's marrying Victor and Nick is having this huge explosive reaction just says it all. You know, he doesn't like it when she doesn't do what he doesn't want her to do. You know, Nick wants to control Sharon. He he wants Sharon. He wants Sharon. And I think that he's always been physically attracted to Phyllis. And Nick and Phyllis have an awesome chemistry, but I just feel like there are underlying problems in that relationship that they never seem to want to address. Um, but nonetheless, here we are back in square one. Nick and Phyllis, <laughs> yet again, it'll be good for some sex scenes, that's for sure. I was very surprised that um, Nick didn't flip a lid when he found out that Phyllis wrote that article about Sharon, and again, it's only because he's mad at Sharon right now. Any other day of the week, in any other point in time, Nick would have been really ticked off with Phyllis for writing about his family, but he's starting, I think, to realize that Phyllis is not going to change. Um, the only problem is, I'm not so sure that Phyllis is at the same point. Is she ready to admit that Nick is never going to change either? And so enter on to the scene, Chelsea. Ah, Myanmar's finest. What the heck was somebody like Chelsea doing in Myanmar anyway in the first place? Um, so girl shows up on Billy and Victoria's doorstep not ten minutes after they get home from their honeymoon. And she's there and she has accusations that Billy forced himself on her and got her pregnant, just as we all knew was going to happen. She shows up with a big old belly, and she's pregnant. And this is just going to cause more tension between Billy and Victoria. Victoria can't have children. They've been trying so hard to adopt. They got their last 
quote-unquote adopted child through illegal means and had it ripped away from him. So now the fact that Billy went off, stooped somebody after he left Victoria and got this person pregnant, oh, that's a really, really hard pill for Victoria to swallow. I'm surprised that Victoria is doing as good of a job at dealing with it as she is. (sighs) Frankly, I think that the only reason that Victoria is dealing with this as well as she is is because there is this (sighs) possibility on the table that Victor is behind this whole thing with Chelsea. The question is, was Victor involved in everything that happened with Billy in Myanmar? That's the question on the table. And please leave me a comment and let me know what you think. But the assumption is that it's it's possible that while Billy was in Myanmar, Victor somehow hired Chelsea or manipulated Chelsea to go in there, seduce Billy, She got pregnant, and then maybe Victor is still paying for her to, you know, buy her a plane ticket back to Genoa City to show up on this doorstep. I mean, all of that is speculation. It hasn't been confirmed or denied. I don't know if we're ever going to find out if Victor was actually behind that. The thing is, though, I think somehow that the possibility that Victor did do that is what's keeping Victoria hanging on. I think that if it weren't for the fact that Victor could have been behind it, Victoria would have left Billy. But still, at this point, I think it's easier for Victoria to blame Victor for all of this rather than to face the fact that Billy is a screw-up. I mean, whether or not Victor created that scenario, which I kind of hope he didn't, I hope he didn't set Billy up for all of this, even though it's totally his M.O. He's done it before. This is exactly something Victor would have done. But Victor didn't force Billy to leave Victoria in the first place. He didn't force Billy to run away from his problems off to Asia. Victor didn't force Billy to have sex with this woman, unless, of course, the woman drugged him, which I find very difficult. Like, how much money would someone have to offer you to drug a guy have sex with him and get pregnant with his baby just to be part of somebody else's plan. Like, that seems, what kind of person would do that? I just cannot possibly imagine. But this Chelsea chick seems to be a real piece of work. She is. She's, like, she's pissing me off, that's for sure. Like, she has no problem telling everybody why she's in town. There was a, (coughs) (coughs) sorry, There was a scene at Jimmy's on New Year's Eve and Lily and Kane, Chloe and Daniel and um, uh, Billy and Victoria are all sitting, you know, around, hanging around, having fun. And who walks into the bar but Chelsea? And, of course, Kane sees her and he's like, hey, I've seen you before. Which, by the way, blows my theory that she's actually Kane's sister. Darn, that would have been so good. But... Chelsea has absolutely no problem telling everybody exactly who she is, exactly why she's there. She has no problem, like, whipping out her belly at every single opportune moment to show them that she's pregnant with Billy's child. And she has no problem pretending to be the victim here. I mean, she, later in the week, she, like, burst into Victoria's house while Victoria's having lunch and tea with her mother. And she just sits down on the couch and has a little 
has a cup of tea and just like just bursts in. She's really, really presumptuous. And, you know, she she just is acting like she's the victim here. Like, oh, no, I'm sure that that giant black tattoo on his finger couldn't possibly have meant that he was married. You know, I mean, Chelsea acts like she's the victim. You know, like, she had no idea that he was married, and, you know, she didn't have anything to do with any of this. But, frankly, I just think she seems, ugh, she seems like a real piece of work, and uh, I don't like her. Like, part of me is like, gosh, I wish somebody would just take her for a walk out in the park when Patty happens to be hanging around in the background. I wish somebody would just off her. Because just, especially the way she, she burst into Victoria's house and just sat down for tea, just really, really bugged me about her. But, I mean clearly she's here to stay clearly she comes into town and she says hey you know what I'm pregnant with your child Billy and I'm willing to have a paternity test she was the one that suggested having the paternity test now obviously Billy and Victoria are going to go along with it I think they should have insisted on a very independent paternity test because as we all know paternity tests can be faked ask Phyllis Phyllis faked one. Paternity texts are so easy to be faked. So, I, I mean, I just, I just feel like, you know, ugh, they had this big revelation at the very end of Friday's show showing that uh, the paternity test results were revealed, and surprise, surprise, Billy is absolutely the father. Well, of course. She wouldn't have suggested the paternity test if she didn't know that they were going to be in her favor, and so now it's quite clear to me what's going to happen. I mean, Chelsea is already saying, like, look, this is Billy's baby, and I expect you guys to take care of me. I expect you to take care of the baby. I expect you to take care of me, and I can just see it right now. Like, I guarantee you, within the next week, they're going to move her pregnant ass into that apartment above the garage, and Victoria is going to be falling over herself trying to take care of Billy's baby, and it just, it does bug me, and if Victor wasn't behind all this, if this is indeed all Billy's doing, then I'm sorry. It's a, just another way that Billy is a total screw-up and that Victoria is now cleaning up some of his messes and having to live with the consequences of Billy and his reckless lifestyle. Riding with you into the night. Something's a something, a secret life. I mean, really, like, is that song not in all of your heads all week? Because that song is, like, I don't even like it. It's not normally the kind of music I would even be listening to. But it has invaded my skull. Like, I can't get the song out of my freaking head. I'm surprised that YNR isn't, like, selling MP3s of that song. They really should. <laughs> Just for as often as they've been playing it, I find myself humming it constantly throughout the day. It's um, uh, mildly disturbing to me. But now that the song has hit the, hit the view click, hit view click, uh, uh, the Genoa City's uh, version of YouTube, um, Angelina has become a star. And she has all kinds of fans commenting on her videos. And uh, she wants to get the attention now. She's releasing secret videos of herself while she's holed up in this hotel room with Kevin, and she finally realizes that, well, as much as she really likes Kevin, I think she really likes herself more, and is really way more impressed with the idea that she could be a star. So, she decides to stop the ruse, the whole Carmine ruse, and she tells <coughs> Kevin that, voila, it's safe to go back to Genoa City, and Kevin's like, yay, finally! Of course, Angelo... <laughs> 
Angela's has found out at just about the same time that Angelina is not where she said she was going to be. She's with Kevin, and Angelo is not happy about it, so he's looking for some retaliation on Kevin. But, you know, in the meantime, they're both kind of feeling like the coast is clear to go back to Genoa City. Uh, Kevin is thrilled to possibly be able to go back uh, at the possibility of going back to Chloe and explaining to her the whole situation, which is ridiculous. He shouldn't have lied to her in the first place. I, I said it on the day that he left her at the wedding. He shouldn't have lied to her at the fir- in the first place. Why? What was the point? He could have run away with Angelina and this whole thing could have happened without him having to lie to Chloe. He didn't have to make her think that he didn't love her anymore or that he was not sure about the relationship. That was totally unnecessary. <sighs> but if he thinks he's just going to walk right back on into her life, he's got another thing coming. I really hope that she doesn't forgive him, frankly. I mean, they're fine as friends, but I really hope that she doesn't just take him right back because while Angelina and Kevin are in this hotel room, Angelina decided to make a little sneak video. And in order to kind of get in touch with her Gaga vibe, she grabs Kevin's scarf, which is sitting on the bed, and she wraps it around her head, and she releases this little video. And as everyone in Genoa City starts to watch what she's uploaded... Chloe realizes that that's Kevin's scarf and starts putting two and two together that he's with Angelina. And she just gets real raw. Just she starts, it's New Year's Eve. She realized she's been stood up at the altar. She, I mean, she should be on her honeymoon right now. And instead, she's like drowning her sorrows in cheap beer at Jimmy's and just feeling like all men suck. And she's just really down in the dumps. Although I would think that realizing that Kevin was with Angelina should be more of like a, like a sign to her that something was wrong. I mean, like, remember when Jana kidnapped Kevin? Chloe had these really great instincts uh, for trying to find Kevin. Why is it that now she's not putting two and two together? I mean, for as committed as Kevin has been to this relationship, she should, and as ridiculous as Angelina is, I mean, Chloe would have to be pretty insecure to not kind of realize that something's up here. Like, I don't, I feel like Chloe is she should know better than to even think that Kevin was, like, romantically involved with Angelina. That's just kind of ridiculous. I mean, she knows that Kevin sees Angelina as nothing but a nag, so it's just shocking to me, but it doesn't matter because she's just drunk and sad, and Daniel is, like, he's becoming everybody's, like, gay best friend, at this point, I'm really sorry for him, but basically Daniel's new role is to be there for the girls when their boyfriends screw him over. I mean, he did it with Lily, like the whole time that Lily was sad over Kane, Daniel was there being the best friend. And now all of a sudden that Kevin has screwed Chloe over, Daniel's hanging out in the wings, like trying to be there to support. He's just, he totally is the gay best friend at this point. <laughs> and... <coughs> It really, really is taking Eden off. You know, for as much as Eden, when she slept, she slept with Daniel and, and then insisted that it was just a casual thing. Just a casual thing. It doesn't have to be uh, anything serious. And now all of a sudden that she's seen Daniel pay all this attention to Chloe, she's getting jealous. I mean, I knew that right off the bat. I called that on day one. Casual thing, my ass. 
I believe was my exact quote. Like, the girl has had eyes on Daniel for weeks, and she doesn't like it that he's paying attention to Chloe over her. And, I mean, yeah, Daniel is being a little bit blind. He probably, he is kind of blowing Eden off. Um, he should probably be a little bit more attentive to a girl that he's sleeping with. But, I mean, at the same time, she, Eden is not communicating truthfully with him. And, um... Chloe, in this really drunk and irritated state, kind of ends up mistaking Daniel's <sighs> helpfulness, friendliness, supportiveness for something more. And I think she's just, like, wanting to feel loved, and I think she's wanting to feel good and secure again. And <coughs> Daniel offers to take her home or get her a cab or whatever because she's drunk. And as they're sitting outside of Jimmy's, Chloe leans in and gives Daniel a smooch. And just as she does that, Eden walks out and is able to catch the whole thing on her cell phone. She takes a picture of Daniel and Chloe smooching. So when Kevin gets back, <laughs> even if Chloe decides to forgive him and let him back into her life, <sighs> there's going to be that little issue of uh, the photo of the smooch that he's going to have to contend with. So, Patty slipped Jack a Mickey. <laughs> well, she meant to actually slip something into Genevieve's drink, but Jack ended up sucking back that <laughs> glass of champagne um, by accident. But it all worked out to Patty's favor because she managed to work it into a, a way to get herself into Jack's house as he's passed out all drunk. Um, she manages to work her way into the bedroom and just lays down on the pillow next to him for a little while. It's just, it's getting to be so ridiculous. Like, Jack even had this moment where he comes out of this drugged stupor and realizes that it's Patty laying right next to him. And then when he wakes up, the freaking cat, Dave the cat, is lying there next to him. So, like, for as much as Jack is having contact with Myrna and her freaking veil, I mean, you know, and then having these dreams about Patty, you'd think that he would be putting two and two together by now. I mean, Patty looks the same. She looks exactly the same. She's got the same body type. She's got the same voice. This whole thing is just making Jack look like a fool. And Genevieve is just being so overly nice to who she thinks is her housekeeper, who she thinks is her favorite employee. She wants to be like, she, I mean, Genevieve feels guilty that her relationship and war with Colin caused Myrna to get scarred and to, you know, become afraid and become reclusive. And so she's being overly nice to her. And at the same time, <laughs> Patty slash Myrna is trying to kill her. She's trying to kill Genevieve. I mean, <coughs> Patty loosened up a piece of carpet this week and was hoping that Genevieve would just fall and break her neck. I mean, Patty is not going to let Genevieve and Jack just get married. She's not going to go down without a fight. Yet, Genevieve's starting to get wise. The drugged drink, the loose carpet, the, she, you know, she had a, the alarm system gone off, which Patty just lied about. But Genevieve's putting pieces together, realizes that something is amiss. The only problem is she thinks it's Colin coming back, you know, from Australia, doing things from jail to try to get, have a hit out on her, uh, when in fact it's still Patty. <coughs> Jack kind of agrees, 
and um, he decides that he wants Genevieve to move in with him. She, he doesn't feel like she's safe in her house anymore, so he wants her to just move in with him. And at the same time, Jack decides to hire Ronan to try to find out what's going on. Ronan was involved with this whole case with Colin, and so Jack thinks that maybe Ronan might be of some help. Maybe Ronan can um, catch Colin or catch something, um, catch someone in the act. Uh, what I think he's not ready for is the fact that he's going to be catching Patty in the act. And it's just becoming really, really clear that the two main suspects for Diane's murder, it's getting boiled down to Patty or Deacon. Or maybe Patty and Deacon. Maybe it was a combination of things. Um, but now that Ronan is um, spending a little less time in the bedroom and a little bit more time on the beat... I think that he's going to start to put together the pieces sooner or later that this Myrna character is not who she says she is. Oh my goodness, podcast peeps. Listen to my voice, it's still all raspy. (laughs) Talking for an hour, projecting my voice for an hour, I definitely, I definitely feel like I have dry throat. I want to get better. I really do. I've been sick since like Christmas and it's just not letting up. It's developed into now like a cough and like dry throat. It's it's different now. The the il- my illness has evolved. Oh, <coughs> it's so frustrating, but I've been you know enjoying watching the show and um honestly I've been spending trying to spend time in bed, just just recuperating. And another show that I'm becoming obsessed with right now, have you guys ever seen Hoarders? Like, there's two versions. I guess there's like, there's a, there's one on A&E, I think, and one on TLC or something. And I don't have a TV, so I don't watch those channels, but um, I discovered them on Netflix. (coughs) And it's, it's all about like people who hoard things like, Oh my goodness, there's people who hoard, like, just everything. Like, their houses are crammed full of crap. I mean, sometimes it's valuable crap, and sometimes it's trash. But just the whole show is about people who just, like... uh, 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 have unnecessary, incredible freaking amounts of stuff in their houses. It is mind-blowing. You have got to watch it. If you have Netflix, both of the shows are instant views. It's Hoarders, and then the other one is Hoarding, Buried Alive. Uh, But either way, oh my gosh, it's, I am, like, developing an obsession just watching it, because, like, I'm such the opposite of a hoarder. Like, I throw crap away too easy. Like, I, I don't want it. Like, I don't want that stuff in my house. I want it out. Like, I don't like it when people give me rant, like, stuff, like, like, gifts. Like, I mean, that's so mean. I, but, like, I mean, I always, like, my parents, I'm like, please don't buy me anything. Just give me money if you want to give me, like, a Christmas gift, because I, I can't stand, I don't want stuff. Like, I don't want stuff. Like, I have a minimum amount of stuff. (laughs) It's kind of actually ridiculous. Like, all the things that I own are, for the most part, have a use. You know, like, I don't, like, just have an extra crap lying around. Like, if it's not useful to me, then I just want to get rid of it. And I'm, like, way too quick to throw stuff away. And these people are just so the opposite of that. And it's really, like, it's like an OCD. It's like an obsessive-compulsive weird disorder. And it's fascinating to watch. You have got, you really, you've got to see it um, to believe it. <coughs> so that's what I've been doing, other than watching YNR. But... <laughs> 
uh, YNR is still the most important show in my life. Um, and I'm really curious to know what you guys are thinking about it. Um, <coughs> it always like really perks me up to hear from podcast listeners. The podcast just has a special place in my heart for some reason. Um, and you guys really have a special place in my heart. And, um, I love hearing from you guys. So if you want to connect with me, you can go to my website to leave me a comment. It's yrchatblog.blogspot.com. And you can just go to the post for this week's podcast and just leave me a comment there. Um, and let me know what you're thinking about the show. I mean, there's so many storylines to comment on and I'm like, I'm totally focused in on everything that's going on with Sharon. Like, that's my main <laughs> focus right now. But there's a lot of other storylines that I'm probably, you know, maybe I'm not giving a full analysis of. So it's it's up to you guys to help me fill in my blanks. So if you guys have any comments, thoughts, questions, perspective, predictions, um, whatever it is, just go to my blog, leave me a comment, um, and let me know what you're thinking about the show. I can't wait. I'm so excited to hear it. Um, Let's see what else. You can also give me a phone call if you want to. Um, the telephone number is area code 309-588-4569. If you want to leave me a voice comment, just uh, spend a couple of minutes leaving me your thoughts uh, via telephone. Again, it's 309-588-4569. That's within the U.S. country code 1. Or you could always just go and leave me a comment on iTunes. Um, you can leave me a review there if that's how you're listening to the show. That's always nice and helpful. Um, or, you know, another thing that you could do to help me out <coughs> is post the link to this podcast. If you have a blog or if you go to any other forums where people talk about YNR, help me out. Get, take the link um, to my blog or whatever and share it with people. Put it on your Facebook page. Shout it out on your Twitter page. Like That really helps me out. That helps keep me inspired. I really love um, finding new people and um, getting them engaged. Um, and it, it just helps. It just helps me keep things interesting and exciting and helps keep uh, my perspective good and fresh just hearing what everybody has to say. So anything you can do if you like the podcast, um, uh, please, please help support it just by spreading the word. Um, that's the, the It means a lot to me and that's the best thing you can do to help me out So and to keep it going. So um, I think that's it. I think that's pretty much everything for now. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. Um, yeah, so uh, I hope you guys have a really good week. I love you a whole lot, and I'll be watching the show this week and thinking of you, and um, looking forward to next week when we can chat again about the show. So everybody, take care, and I'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye.